Now you are able to get a sense of basketball's rich, connected history through the five-star basketball camp. At its peak, it was truly Garth's world. And it's where the game's greatest coaches and players went for over 42 years under his watch. The dominant run didn't come without controversy, like the two rules the NCAA created to effectively end Garf's control over summer recruiting. It's basically like wiping out somebody's employees saying, you have to go out and get all new employees that don't have the qualifications these people have, but that's the way it is. Go find the whole new crew. It was like, don't mention the NCAA to Garf, because he would go off. Without Garf's 300 coaches on Five Stars campus, the door is open for a whole new world to be ushered in, with shoe brands creating their own camps under the guidance of Sonny Vaccaro. In this episode, with the help of Jay Billis, Bill Raftery, Coach K, and our many five-star fixtures, I'll tell the story behind Garf's final days, share some never-before-told reflections from Springfield, and examine the enormous legacy he left behind with the people who helped Five Star earn an exalted place in the pantheon of hoops history. I am Tate Frazier. Welcome to the world of Five Star. And when the last whistle blew, and I, I walked arm in arm with Garth off the court at last camp, the All-Star game was over. We're walking back to our cabins. He was kind of, you know, very, very quiet. He knew it was over. And I said, Garf, it's been a great run, buddy. It's been a great, great run. Coach Dave Odom remembers being by Garf's side during the final five-star camp featuring college coaches. I said, you don't know this, but I've kept a record of all the camps that I've worked. And tonight, I just finished my 57th week of five-star basketball camp. That's over a year of my life, Garf. And I wouldn't change it one iota. And he looked at me and said, that's it? (laughs) A whole year of his life. And that was nothing to Garf. The NCAA's decision to ban college coaches from working basketball camps was the writing on the wall for Five Star's future. By 1991, the recruiting world was no longer going to be run according to Howard Garfinkel. The NCAA's desire to regulate the summer forced Garf into a backseat role in basketball. It also meant that the top coaches weren't able to teach and see the top prospects. This was all due to the belief, of course, that the five-star coaches had a recruiting advantage. But what if it was the better choice in the end? I asked ESPN's Jay Billis that exact question. We shouldn't distrust coaches that somehow they're going to have this unfair advantage to get a player if they show them how to play or if they work with them at a camp. Uh, We should be encouraging that. And in the absence of college coaches, others are going to step into that void. So if they're not allowed, we're basically inviting someone else in. And we don't always know that, that the someone else we're inviting in is going to be as qualified or as good for the players. Coach K witnessed the impact of the rules on the game at large. We can go back and see how the NCAA and, and restricting things, it hurt the game. And, and uh, they didn't know what they were trying to control. In trying to control it, they put ceilings on the game and teaching instead of uh, opportunities to grow. And uh, obviously, they're realizing their mistakes right now. By 2005, Garf was ready to give himself a break from the grind. So he decided to step away from his duties at Five Star. Now remember, this was a man with no wife, no kids, and his Five Star camp was his life. And now his livelihood 
was waning in the new landscape. Without the camp, he was left to his own devices without his true calling in life. The one thing that I often wondered over the years about Garf was, did he love basketball the most or did he love horse racing the most? Because he was big on that horse racing boy. Co-founder Will Klein remembers this significant shift well. It was the end of an era that lasted 42 years. He sold his interest to my son, Lee. You know, he felt it was time to, I guess it, you know, physically it was, it was very taxing for him. I told you he was outside the whole day on the courts and everything. And he needed the money. He wanted to spend the money or pay off debts or what have you. But he still runs clinic. He's still involved with the McDonald's game. Of course, Garf still had sway. He was charged with selecting rosters for the McDonald's All-American game. He used what power he had remaining to help raise the profile of his five-star campers, like Meta Artest, who despite his reputation, Garf stuck his neck out for and believed in the future St. John star. When I was up for the McDonald's game and they was trying to keep me out and I wasn't ranked, you know, because, you know, my attitude whatever, but I was a hell of a player. They, they helped me get to the McDonald's game. I was like, I think I was the last pick, you know, but I definitely deserved it. You know, and he was like, he said, he said, hey, I'm going to get you in this game. He said, you deserve it. I said, I, I know I deserve it. I'm killing everybody. Providence legend God Sham God was a major star on the high school scene, but he still valued having Garf locked in his corner. Going back into my senior year, I was averaging 37 points, 13 assists. And then um, I got voted to the McDonald's All-American game, you know, with his help. So, like, for me, he was a big, big, big part of my life. A more recent example his most outstanding player from the 2016 Final Four, Ryan Archidiakono, who remembers seeing Garf and Tom regularly on the recruiting scene. It's so funny thinking back to all like these old dudes that you were just like, who the hell are these people like evaluating us? And what do they know about basketball? But they're legends and he was a legend. I remember seeing them all over the place and they talked to the people who ran the tournaments. And once that, they were like, oh, you need to get this team in because of these two players. Like it wasn't just all Nike and, and Adidas and Under Armour picking kids and picking teams to go. So they definitely had their big impact. Garf and Tom Kanchowski remained present around gyms in the Northeast, and they carried the cachet that came along with Five Star wherever they went, especially at college games in the city with commentators like Jay Billis on the call. Whenever I was up at the garden or, you know, you're doing a game somewhere and he's there, um, he would always grab me and, uh, and say, you're doing a great job. And he would tell you why. And uh, I, I remember always leaving a conversation with him, feeling better about kind of what I was doing. And it was sort of validation of, hey, you know, Garf thinks I'm doing a good job. I always really appreciated that. And anytime I went to New York City, I went and saw him. We went to the Carnegie Deli. We ate, we talked, we, we laughed. If I was in for a game or we were playing, he always had tickets to come and be in the back and see us. When Garf's protégés like John Calipari or Jay Wright brought their teams to the city, they would make it a point to stop by Gar's favorite spot, Carnegie Deli. As soon as I got into coaching, Mitch Bonagora was working five-star all the time, and I used to work at Villanova's camp. So he told me, like, you got to come up there, man. You guys, this is where the players are. I started recruiting up there and got to know Garf. Then when I went to Hofstra as the head coach, now you're in New York and you're living with Garf, and you're going to the Carnegie Deli and Tom Kinchowski. So then it just became part of me. Five-star historian Alejandro Denois was close to Garf all the way up until his dying days. And one thing Garf always had for him was a story. At that point, like Garf 
had become like, you know, a, a dinosaur, but he was just still this legendary figure. Like I would go to the the Brand Jordan All-American games, the you know, they had the, the private practices that were the only for media and coaches, right? And Garf would come through there wearing his five-star gear and everybody would just stop, right? And everybody wanted to talk to him because he was a great storyteller. I mean, Garf was 80-something years old and you could still see him at these practices and at these events and at these games and just, he needed the game. He loved the game. It was like oxygen to him. The basketball world was expanding to new heights that Garf couldn't have even fathomed when he created Five Star back in the 1960s. I mean, we're going, this is a basketball camp, and they're in press conference, player press conferences at a basketball camp. With the brands involved, high school basketball and the AAU scene in particular became a big-time industry. And a lot of these junior players, these younger players, have social media followings that are bigger than the college they're going to. It just showed how how big this was becoming and how big it was going to get. And Garf became the face of a bygone recruiting era. On May 16th, 2016, the five-star organization announced Howard Garfinkel had passed at the age of 86. Garf would leave behind a litany of accolades, like creating the New York Basketball Hall of Fame and, of course, being an instrumental figure in the lives of so many players and coaches. I loved him. He's one of a kind. He went to his deathbed being proud of, of, of the people who uh, he helped along the way. Uh, Tom and, and, and Howard, they were really apostles for the game, man. Apostles for the game. When Garf left the planet, the game of basketball lost a unique figure, one who brought so many talented people together through his network. Luckily, the coaches and players who owed so much to Five Star decided to start a tradition of their own, we came up with this idea on the anniversary of his passing, and actually we did it the year before and we did it this year to kind of, you know, get the guys together again and, and talk, you know, about him and the camp and stories. It's a great night. Last year uh, we had about 75. This year we had about 60. You know, Coach K got on the Zoom, John Calipari, Fratello, Ronnie Rothstein, a lot of Richie Adubato, a lot of, a lot of guys from the beginning. You know, we, we had a Zoom call on Goff's four year of his passing. And Coach K got on, he says, you know, there's been unbelievable players, there's been unbelievable coaches, but there's nobody like Goff. While on those calls together, Mitch Bonaguro, Pete Gillen, and a group of five-star coaches rallied together around the idea of getting Goff recognized with the highest honor in the game. I'm very proud of the committee that we put together that put together a strategy to get Goff in the Hall of Fame, Tate. That's something that I'm, I'm really, really proud of. The guys that, about 12, 13 of us, and we, we went to work and, and did a lot of work on helping Goff get in the Hall. They started a letter campaign where the coaches dumped their love for Goff in the five-star camp on the page. I wrote two letters, tried to really summarize what Goff meant and, and what he contributed to the game. And I think a lot of people did that. I think the former Hall of Famers, you know, the guys that are already in that had five-star Connections, Calipari, Brown, Krzyzewski, Raveling, you know, those people really went to bat. They really thought he was worthy. All of that legwork from Garf's coaches helped his candidacy gain steam and eventually landed him a spot in the 2021 Basketball Hall of Fame class. And that was all due to his five-star family. But as Hall of Famer Coach K was quick to point out to me, the campaigning doesn't work if the candidate doesn't fit the bill. If you're not deserving, you're not going to get in. Now, you can make people more aware of why a person is deserving. 
any bit that I had to do with supporting, that's what I tried to do. The Hall of Fame is about unique, unique level of excellence, whether it be as a coach, a player, a team, or a contributor. Garf matches in uniqueness to anybody. Then another word is impact. What impact did you have on the game? And, you know, really it's hard to quantify what his impact, it's huge. So the stuff that I did to help was just to make people aware of uniqueness, impact, and the longevity of that uniqueness and impact. Tonight we enshrine the newest members of the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame, the class of 2021. This story ends where we started, at the Hall of Fame in Springfield, Massachusetts. Now to get you up to speed on how we got here, I went to the chairman of the Basketball Hall of Fame, Jerry Colangelo, to ask him why Garf's contributions merited the ultimate honor in the sport. Let's just say that Howard was legendary in terms of what he was doing, what he had accomplished, and the network that had grown and, and was built among the college fraternity of coaches and how many of them became pro coaches and the impact, you know, I don't care if it's Hubie Brown or Calipari or Larry Brown and we go on and on and on. There's no end to the list. I think I read somewhere where maybe 500 coaches have been touched by Garfinkel and maybe 10,000 players. I always think about this as chairman of the board of the Basketball Hall of Fame. What, what is a contributor? A contributor has something very special they've done for the game. Talk about a great candidate. Here's someone who has touched the game in thousands and thousands of ways and left his mark. brightest stars to make it in the big five star, John Calipari and Grant Hill. Seeing Coach Cal and Grant Hill on the stage transported me back to my conversations with them about why Garf was such a special figure in basketball. Here's what makes him unique and why he should be in the Hall of Fame as a contributor. Because think of what this thing that he and Will put together Will did the financials to make it work. If Garf was doing the financials, it would have lasted one year. One year. Okay, it would have been done. No one would have been paid. I mean, the food wouldn't have been taken care of. They wouldn't have invited you back to campus. It would have never worked. So Will had to be there. But what Garf built was an access and opportunity vehicle for everyone that walked into it. You know, he was a guy who really advocated for high school sports. And, you know, in a moment in time, he was a very powerful, very influential figure in the whole landscape. And so it's sort of a forgotten era in a lot of ways, but an important era. And certainly, you know, played a major role, I think, in the development of intercollegiate athletics, the role of elite high school players, you know, having a chance to be recognized, not just in their region, but really all over the country. And um, he was a personality, <laughs> you know, but for me, just some, some wonderful memories and experiences that, that I hold near and dear to my heart. The five-star family worked together to get him into the Hall of Fame. But as Coach K reminded me... But Howard Garfinkel was in the Hall of Fame because of Howard Garfinkel. Howard Garfinkel was not in the Hall of Fame because of anyone else. And, uh, and he deserves... He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Congratulations once again to the family of Howard Garfinkel. 
On his induction day, Slam held a ceremony for all the camp's many contributors and characters throughout the years. Five years after Garth's passing, I can only imagine the amount of pride he would have if he saw all of his many protégés all together in one place. Will Klein welcomed everyone with a few classic jokes. It's not true that I came here to collect on your canteen account. <laughs> and I was lucky enough to have my microphone handy, as the many five-star alumni in the room shared their fond memories about Garf and the camp. One in particular that stuck out was Ron Naclerio, the all-time winningest coach in New York public high school history. And he remembered being by Garf's side all the way up to his deathbed. He goes, I'll give you the money. Run downstairs to the bodega, get me a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> oh, man. Goff, I said, I mean, I don't think the doctor's going to be too happy with me walking in with a pack of uh, Marlboro. <laughs> and I wouldn't be where I am at as a man, a coach, a dad, without Howard Garfinkel. Another five-star icon who was there to share his story, Shea Berry. You know, in a way, the entire camp is going into the Hall of Fame. And maybe in the future, Will Klein could get into the Hall of Fame, if not the camp itself, because the camp represents all of these coaches and now all these players that are Hall of Famers. And even like the day before he, he died, uh, he couldn't speak, but he wrote on the paper, when is the Derby? When's the Kentucky Derby? And um, he made his last bet. <laughs> Garf's lone surviving relative, his second cousin, Lily Gilbert, connected with him near the end of his life thanks to the five-star family. She came to the induction ceremony to accept the honor on his behalf. Growing up, I always saw him as kind of a, a lonely older man that didn't have his own family. And, you know, we didn't see him very often, but we really grew to, to see what he was. And, and it was beautiful. But it worked out really well for, with my work schedule that I was able to go to the hospital every day. And that's really where I saw the outpour and the love and support that Garf had and, and the impact that he had not only in basketball but on these people's lives and careers. I could have spent all day in this room collecting all the many stories from all the many faces who went to Five Star over the years. And that's why this moment in time was so special because you could see the pride in the room. You could see the excitement. You could feel it in the air. And it was such a great moment to see Will Klein and the rest of the Five Star alum all celebrate this beautiful basketball place that they helped create. I love teaching kids who love the game how to play it the right way. Until this day, the five-star influence, when you turn on a game and who's in it, I mean, you know, Mike Malone, like you said, but I mean, I, I became friends with his dad working with him at, at five-star. You mentioned Dave Odom. He was my coach the week that I played there. So he coached me every day. Uh, so, you know, there, there's such a connection from that camp to pretty much any game you watch in the NBA or college. Like Fran said, Five Star is everywhere. For those who are not familiar, you're now up to speed on the guru that changed summer basketball, college recruiting, and player evaluations forever. And his legacy remains all over college basketball and the game at large. Garf was a visionary, and you can now see his unmistakable web in basketball one in which every player or coach could trace their roots back to. He wasn't somebody that, that everybody knew. It, it was just sort of the insiders in the game revered him and knew him and loved him. Uh, that was really meaningful. And his influence on so many people, whether it was players, coaches, broadcasters, he was a, an amazing contributor to this game. Even commentators like Bill Raftery 
point to Garf's colorful language in his HSBI as an influence on their calls. I remember doing games frequently, and we'd always give a plug to this kid's a five-star kid, uh, you know, Howard Garfinkel's name. You know, everybody that in broadcasting during that era would always mention his name. In fact, Garf even had a broadcasting camp at Five Star. They were aspiring Iron Eagles, you know, and a lot of these kids, uh, you know, have gone on to be producers, directors and whatever. But the basketball end of it was a great like, I mean, they're doing future NBA players games, and but they have no idea. They would interview the players, too, after a game. I mean, uh, I wish That's we nice. had tapes of those. I mean, they had to be classic interviews, you know. So what'd you have for dinner? You know, that kind of- <laughs> Sports Center anchor Kevin Connors remember seeing the five-star broadcast camp while he was there as a player. I can remember being a camper, of course, on the basketball side of things and being aware that this broadcasting thing, which I also had great interest, was going on. Well, how, how neat would it be to find the air checks, if they even exist, of some of those broadcasting campers calling Grant Hill at five-star basketball camp? Anyone who came through five-star was family in Garf's mind. And the lessons taught stretch beyond basketball, as Coach Fran McCaffrey so eloquently puts it. I think anybody that wanted their son to be tested and to improve, that's what you did. And if you were a coach, you tried your best to get your player an invitation to that camp. Of course, we remember the promise Coach Roy Williams made to Mike Jordan's high school coach. And just to let you guys know, I did uh, do what I told Pop Herring, because many years later, my son... Uh, went to five-star camp uh, because I really believed about the, uh, the details and the teaching of the fundamentals of the game. That philosophy of passing the game down to your son was something we saw regularly at five-star. In fact, Garf affected three generations of basketball families. When you have a, a great family, it's not just your generation. It's more than one generation, more than one era. You know, five-star stands the test of time over generations, you know, and the passing down of the lessons, the values being taught at Five Star have been passed on to coaches' children, the children of players who were who were there, and hopefully that can continue to happen. That's why, but I'd, I'd love to have another one so we get a a jolt of all those things right now for our game. Our game could use it. Just like Roy Williams, Michael Jordan wanted to send his son Jeffrey to learn the lessons he did at Garth's camp. Here's Air Jordan to tell you himself. He started to see I was taking the game a little bit more more seriously, and he was like, okay, you know, the real best players, the top players in the world, you know, they go to camps, they get out there, they play against each other. And he was definitely telling me stories about Garth and everything from, you know, how you had to make up your bed and, and all the kind of different rules that they had. And so it only piqued my interest even more. So on one magical summer afternoon, to everybody's surprise, Garth's basketball dream came true. His star pupil had returned and he could barely contain his excitement. Abra Kadabra. Michael Jordan. Let me just say uh, I'm very happy to be back. It's been 20 years since I've graced this place with my presence, and I guess I I owe a lot of thanks to Garfinkel. 
to Howard because he gave me an opportunity to come here and prove myself as a basketball player. I remember thinking like, oh, wow, he didn't even he didn't even tell me he was going to pop up on on campus like that. But uh, obviously him coming and speaking and the energy that that surrounded that day was something I, I would never forget. I think the whole camp just started to buzz and um, I can't even count how many questions I got after that. In 2016, the year of Howard Garfinkel's passing, the NCAA tournament featured over 100 five-star alumni. The national title featured two coaches you've heard throughout this series, Jay Wright and Roy Williams. You know, the game continues to evolve. And five-star and Howard Garfinkel and all the great coaches that worked there, the great players that played there, were a big part in moving the game forward to where it is now. And to me, that's kind of the celebratory thing uh, of Five Star is look at the influence Five Star had and, and continues to have. But Howie Garfinkel really, in terms of scouting high school players, is the pioneer who started the whole thing. But his more profound influence is, along with Will Klein, founding Five Star. Because Five Star became the preeminent think tank in the game of basketball. And the spiritual essence of Garf is still sprinkled across the landscape of basketball because of all of the people that he touched. But I know he's just smiling down with this beaming look of pride at what he built. That's the power of basketball, and that's the power of when good people run in basketball. That's the way you want to learn, where you don't see color, you don't see differences. You, you, only, see, you only see which I have in common, you see the possibility. You know what I'm saying? Of a better place, better world, all that stuff, especially in the times what we're going through now. You know, rest in peace to both of Howard Garfinkel and Tom Kachowski that just passed. And when both of those guys put a stamp on you, you were somebody. Those are the only two guys I know that could come to any hood and they have no problems. <laughs> they could walk the hood at two in the morning. Because if anybody ever jumped out on them, man, they probably knew their name, they they date of birth, they probably knew their brother, their uncles, or whoever played basketball, they could tell you something about them. What started as Garth's vision of fun in the sun evolved into the premier basketball boot camp for blue chip and blue collar players alike. And that included 500 plus future NBA players and 10,000 Division I players. Over 54 years and 250,000 alumni later, Five Star has become synonymous with basketball instruction, and it is embedded in the fabric of the game's history. This is a world built from one outdoor basketball camp in the middle of nowhere in upstate New York, way before the internet, where incredible characters, coaches, and players helped build a foundation for success and change basketball for the better. I'm Tate Frazier, and thanks for joining me on a journey through the world of Five Star. This series was written and produced by Tate Frazier and Mike Goldstein of Figures Network. Our associate producer is Catherine Kanner. Editing and sound design by Mike Goldstein. This series was mixed by Will Kubley. Music by Mark Cragen, Will Kubley, and Mike Goldstein. For Uninterrupted, Jamal Henderson, Tiffany Hammond, John Fontanelli, and Ray Hogan. LeBron James and Maverick Carter are executive producers. For RTG Features, Peter Robert Casey, Matt Aronson, and Aaron Phillips. Special thanks to Five Star Basketball, Slam, Alejandro Danois, Billy Raftery Jr., Carl Blum, Gabby Goldberg, Harold Johnson, The Hoop Lord, and last but not least, Coach Hubie Brown. I'm your host, Tate Frazier, and this is the World of Five Star.